Yo, 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 what's good, everybody? What's good? What's good? What's happening? Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of the Isaiah K Podcast. Welcome back. Saturday episode. Haven't given you guys a Saturday episode in a long time, but I'm very excited. I know you guys haven't heard my voice this week. Uh, I did not drop a Wednesday episode and so forth, but here I am, Saturday episode. Um, I was in the midst of finals week, trying to finish finals and so forth. That is finished. That is completed. Um, So now I'm able to give you guys a Saturday episode. So I can't wait. I'm excited. It's been a while. It's been a very, 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 very long time since I given you guys and bought you guys a Saturday episode. How's everybody doing? Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Big time games to talk about from Thursday night. Um, a lot, a lot happening in the sports world, you know, another COVID outbreak, um, that's, you know, that's tremendously impacting the NBA, the NFL and the NHL. Uh, so, you know, hopefully, you know, these, these leagues can finish out the season, especially the NFL, their season is almost done. Uh, we we're, you know, we're nearing towards the end of the regular season, heading into the postseason football. Also not to mention college football bowl season, Bowl season is 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 here, so it's a we got a lot of angles to cover. Um, just so many so much stuff to talk about with college football. We've had we've had a lot of exciting things to talk about with college football over the past couple of weeks with all of the coaching hirings and uh, some of the national player signing days uh, and so forth. So a lot to really dive in and get into. Uh, like I said, I I, I know I, you guys didn't hear my voice on Wednesday. Couldn't drop a Wednesday episode, but here I am on Saturday. Saturday episode, ready, live, and active. Uh, first and foremost, I'm your humble and highly favorite host, Isaiah Kitt of the Isaiah Kitt Podcast. I am so excited. I'm so excited. And uh, uh, obviously, NFL. Let's start with some NFL. Uh, also, before I even get into my – before I get into – my opening segment, uh, I, sh- I should tell you guys that I, I may have a guest. We're going to start shifting a little bit towards NBA. I'm going to get some more NBA content. So for all the NBA fanatics out there that listen to this podcast, uh, more NBA content is on the way very, very soon as you know, we're nearing towards Christmas as well. Uh, but first and foremost, let's start with uh, – for- oh, also, shouts out to everybody listening. Shouts out to all the first-time listeners. If you are a first-time listener, thank you. Hopefully, you come back for the next episode. Uh, shouts out to all the regular listeners. If you're a regular listener of this pod and you you know you share the podcast with other people and so forth, shouts out to you. Big ups. Um, let's start with the Thursday night, the Thursday night football game. Chargers, Chiefs at Chargers, pivotal division game. Uh, practically, you know, well, not practically, technically, whoever won this game took, you know, had control of the AFC West. Um, and it was a good one. It was a good one. Now, first and foremost, I think both teams, both franchises, both fans of these respective franchises should be very excited. And what I mean, and and when I say, and why I say that is because I mean, the talent at, at the quarterback level for both teams the talent, obviously, Kansas City know, Kansas, the, the Chiefs fans know that they're fortunate to have Patrick Mahomes as their quarterback, right? Boom. But then the Chargers fan base, despite the loss, Justin Herbert, you have you have your field general, you have your superstar quarterback for the next 10 to 13 years. That's, that, that, that's who Justin Herbert is for the Chargers. So both fan bases – both franchise, fr- franchises should be very, very excited 
about what they saw last night. Uh, this this could be very well, you know, the next, you know, one of these next great quarterback rivalries that we that we know that we look at for the next ten years, eight to ten years, because they both play in the same division, um, and they both you know play on really good teams. Uh, the Chargers, you know, Kansas City is a little bit better at this moment, uh, but the Chargers are right there. They they have most of the pieces. Uh, that they need to be really good. Um, but let's start. I want to start with the Kansas City angle first. Let's talk about the Chiefs first, and then I will transition to the Chargers because I know I know Brandon Staley, first-year head coach, is taking a lot of heat for his aggressiveness. But let's start with the Kansas City Chiefs. So remember about a month and a half ago, right? Uh, you know, a little, a little bit before Thanksgiving, about a month and a half ago. People, you know, I thought people had some people in the media and so forth within sports. I thought people had false confidence um, in Kansas City, false confidence. Now, mind you, throughout this year, uh, and you, you guys can go back and look at my episodes throughout the regular season and so forth. I have documented and have talked about the Kansas City Chiefs' struggles uh, early on in the season, right, and. They, I think they they were they they were at three and four sitting at three and four, and some people I can remember some people were saying this team not gonna make the playoffs after the Titans loss after the miserable Titans loss. Uh, that was probably Patrick Mahomes' worst career game. Uh, the Chiefs' lowest output uh, under Andy Reid and Patrick like it was it was a bad and it was it was a poor poorly played game by Kansas City. And I can remember a lot of people were saying, oh, this team is not going to make it to the postseason. This team has no chance. We don't know what they're doing, what is happening with Andy Reid, what's happening with, with Mahomes and so forth. Because early on in the season, I was very critical of the defense. Uh, but then at some point, I'm like, okay, offensively, Kansas City's not the same. They're not the same either. But as the season progresses, seven straight wins later, um, and how ironic their defense has been. That was the first unit. That was the unit that got it together and they started to put some wins together. And like right after the Giants and Packers game, I thought people started to have some false confidence that Kansas City was back, quote unquote. Now, I'm here to tell you guys, <laughs> I didn't I, I wasn't able to tell you on Wednesday episode after their game versus the 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 um the Raiders where they put up 48 points. But I'm here to tell you after this Thursday night game versus the Chargers, who's a really good football team who I think will make the playoffs, the Kansas City Chiefs are officially back. Okay. <laughs> they are officially back. And as and I, you know, I I heard people some blasphemous comments and people just <laughs> just making crazy comments about this Chiefs team and Mahomes, especially Mahomes. Some people saying Mahomes isn't elite anymore. Some people saying Mahomes has regressed, which he has. This year he's regressed. Um, you know he's been very turnover prone. Despite you know, all, I think it's also important to add that a lot of these turnovers are off of drop passes. You know, some of these turn, some of these picks are just off of drop passes and tip balls. But he has regressed. He hasn't for for uh, you know. For a great part of the season, a good part of the season, Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes has not been Patrick Mahomes 
that we have been accustomed to, right? Right. But the Chiefs are back. The Chiefs are back. They after after putting up 48 points versus the Raiders, a division opponent, Raiders, solid team. I'm not sure if they made the playoffs, but they're in the playoff, they're in the hunt, right? But solid team, solid victory, division game. But then they go on the road to play the Chargers, primetime game. The Chargers are very hungry. Mind you, the Chargers week three earlier this year beat Kansas City at Kansas City. So the Chargers already have a little bit of confidence and some mojo about themselves. And they're looking at NIA. If we win this football game, we can take control of the AFC West. We control our destiny throughout throughout the remainder of the season. And Kansas City had different plans. Now, there were plenty of opportunities for the Chargers to win this game. Uh, the Chargers, I thought, I thought, you know, I, looking at the way how they played the first three quarters going into the fourth quarter, I, I thought the Chargers was going to win the game. <laughs> I, thought the, I thought the Chargers all the way were going to win the game because they just had so many ample opportunities to win the game, and they didn't convert. They didn't cash in, as we know. But I'm here to tell you, the Chiefs, the, the, the Chiefs are back. And like I said, it started with the defense, it, uh, you know, moving Chris Jones back to his original position, D-tackle, um, and him being able to be the interior force that he is. And like I told you guys, when he's at def- when he's playing at the defensive tackle position, he is literally only he, – he's literally the second best defensive tackle in football outside of Aaron Donald. Outside of Aaron Donald, Chris Jones is, is, the, best, is the best defensive tackle in football. Literally, that's how that's how good that's how dominant he is. And you know, obviously, you know, granted, he didn't play last, he didn't play on Thursday, but that's how good he is. And he's been he's been, you know, one of the determining factors and one of the turning factors as you know as this defense has come along over the last couple of weeks. Um, they gave up twenty eight to the Chargers, but the Chargers are one of the more high powered, high flying offenses in football. So that's no shame in that. But Kansas City offensively, they look back. Patrick Mahomes looked back. Um, a, a lot of a lot of his struggles came with his, came with him, you know, his mechanics. His mechanics are a bit out of whack. Um, and that's that kind of speaks to the greatness of Mahomes. Uh, like we all fall in love with his, you know, his ability, his unique ability to make these weird angled throws. And, you know, he does a lot of things with it with the ball and with some of these throws he makes. Well, we praise him for that, but mechanically, it's not mechanically sound. Um, and 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 if that's what you want to be. If you want to be honest, over the past couple of weeks, over the past month, and so and throughout the regular season period, that's what Mahomes has really struggled with. His mechanics, his mechanics are a bit out of whack. Um, and when he when he's not in a rhythm, when he's not flowing, it looks bad. Now, like I said, I think Kansas City's back. Mahomes threw for 410 uh, yesterday, three touchdowns. Also, Travis Kelsey had a career day, career night versus the Chargers. He he you um he caught 10 passes, I think. Caught 10 passes, double-digit passes, 191 with two touchdowns, 191 receiving yards with two touchdowns. Uh, not to mention the game winner in overtime. So I think the Chiefs are back. I do. I do think Kansas City is back effectively. Uh, I, I see offensively, like I said, I've always, I thought they would figure it out offensively. It was the, it was the defensive side of the ball where I had my questions because like I said, uh, it's, it's well documented throughout the regular season, early on in the season, I talked about the chiefs and how schematically it doesn't look the same. 
you know, some of the players that played well over the last couple years haven't been playing as well. Uh, like, I, like I've also talked about the, you know, the Chris Jones, him moving from DN to D tackle back to his original position. I, I talked about how that would help. It has. I proved that that's proven to be right and correct. So with those changes, Kansas City has now revitalized themselves. And and here we go today. They're sitting on top of the AFC. <laughs> they're sitting with the number one seed on top of the AFC. Remember a month and a half ago, Tennessee was rolling. The Chargers were still rolling. Cincinnati was rolling. You know, New England has continued to be on their winning ways and, you know, do what they do. But remember, it was looking so dim for Kansas City, according to some people. I I figured Kansas City would get their acts together, get back on track. But remember, it the the you know the playoff picture and what people thought of Kansas City this year, it was looking really dim. It was looking really, really dim for the Kansas City Chiefs, according to some people. I think they're back. They're they are officially back. After this big time division went on the road in overtime, they didn't play the best. Like like defensively. They didn't play the best. Uh, offensively, they had some turnovers and so forth. So, like, you know, defense made some big-time stops in critical moments. Uh, that was they, they had some good situational football. But as a whole, as a game, like, the Chiefs had no business winning that game, and they won that game. Uh, so with the fact that they're able to pull out victories like that, it shows me they still have the willpower to be really, really good and to be as good as anybody in the AFC on any given day. Um, so that's that. I think Kansas City's back. Now let's shift gears to the to to the LA Chargers, um, because as I've mentioned earlier, the LA Chargers had plenty of opportunities to win this football game. Now I'm not gonna come in here. I'm not gonna come on and bash Brandon Staley for you know the fourth down. You know him going for it on fourth down five separate times. I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do that. Like that's I feel like that's just low hanging fruit, right? Slow hanging fruit because that's literally what every media outlet is doing to Brandon Staley. They're killing him. They're bashing him because of his aggressiveness. Let me tell you. Let me let me come in and let me defend the Chargers and Brandon Staley um, on his situation and on you know his play calling um, with these fourth down on with these fourth down plays. I have no problem with him going for it on fourth down. I have no problem with with Brandon Staley doing that. Uh, I thought Brandon Staley, <clears throat> first, I like the fact that the Chargers have an identity. Even with a young coach, first-year head coach, I might, I must add, and also a second-year quarterback who I think at some in the near future, he's going to win an MVP award. I, you know, I don't know if it's going to be next year. I don't know. like, But in the near future, I think Justin Herbert will be winning an MVP award. That's just how damn good he is. He is super talented. So and so the fact that they have so many young pieces um, in some important roles and they have an identity, the Chargers have an identity. That is important. That is important. You must have an identity. The Chargers have that. The Chargers have that. Now, Brandon Staley. I'm not mad with Brandon Staley with going for it on fourth down anyway. Here's the slippery slope. Anytime a coach decides to be really aggressive on fourth down, whether that's on one occasion or in Brandy Staley or in Brandon Staley's case, five separate occasions, depending on the result, 
is going to be it, like the result. Depending on, you know, you're going to get a different type of reaction depending on the result. So if the Chargers would have converted, I don't know, three or four of those fourth downs that they went on it, we'd be calling Brandon Staley a genius. We'd talk about how his aggressiveness played, played off, paid off. We'd be talking about how the Chargers look really good. We'd be talking about the Chargers win over the Chiefs and so forth. We'd be so excited for Justin Herbert and so forth. But. Since the since it didn't work out, right? Uh, you know, a couple fourth couple fourth down conversions didn't go. They they finished two for five on fourth down. We're basing off the result. That's the reaction we're giving. Because now I hear nothing from like like I said, from different all various amount of you know media outlets. Oh, Brandon Staley, this. Oh, Brandon Staley. We gotta blame Brandon Staley for the game. And you know, his fourth down decision, his aggressiveness didn't play off. Take a deep breath. You look at the Chargers, what they have on offense. You look at what they have on offense, the personnel that they have offensively, you should be able to go for it. You look at the weapons that they have. They have built up their offensive line this past offseason. They were missing their star left tackle, Rashad Slater, but they have built their offensive line. Their offensive line held up pretty well versus Kansas City last night, or on, I should say on Thursday night. Um, and you have a superstar quarterback in Justin Herbert. Like he's like he's really that good. And then, like I mentioned, as I mentioned, you got so many weapons on the outside. Looking at their personnel offensively, the Chargers should never hesitate to go for it on fourth down. They should always be aggressive. The Chargers, this is them by nature. They should always be aggressive. And they are aggressive. But also, we bash other teams for not going for it and not being aggressive enough when they're playing Kansas City. Because we know, like teams know, coaches know, we know, everybody knows when you're playing Kansas City, you're going to have to be able to score points. <laughs> like you're going to have to get in that 28 to 30 range because Kansas City is going to score points. More times than not, Kansas City is going to score points and they're going to cash in on opportunities. So coaches know, players know, teams know, the media knows, analysts knows, and we, everybody knows. You got to be able to score points and keep up with Kansas City. Well, the way you do that, you got to be aggressive. You got to be aggressive. And I can remember people killing Kevin Stefanski and the Browns on two separate occasions last year in the playoffs and this uh, and earlier this year where they felt Cleveland wasn't aggressive enough when they're playing Kansas City. You got to be aggressive. Baltimore early this season played Kansas City. They beat Kansas City. You know why? Part of the reason was they were aggressive. They stuck to their game plan, and they were aggressive. They went for it on fourth down. Remember, Lamar had the game clutch, the game-clinching fourth-quarter run that sealed the game. That's what you got to do. I can remember people were bashing. They were bashing the Buffalo Bills and Sean McDermott last year in the AFC Championship game because they felt they weren't aggressive enough, and they and they didn't convert on fourth downs or in the red zone. So when we have these, when we when we have these takes and these and these reactions based upon the result, we just totally forget how how about like we contextualize things. The Chargers themselves have really good offensive personnel. Boom. They typically go for it and they're typically aggressive anyway. Boom. You add on the fact that they're playing Kansas City. So they're gonna have to score points. I have no problem with Brandon Staley going for it on fourth down because we'll be look we'll be criticizing Brandon Staley if he didn't give Justin Herbert and that offense 
chances to go for it on fourth down. We'll be bashing them. So just because the execution didn't work out, there were a couple, there were just a couple miscues that the Chargers didn't, you know, clean up. There were just some, some missed opportunities that the Chargers missed on. That's okay. But we can't, I, I just don't like how everybody's just killing Brandon Staley. Just killing Brandon Staley because it didn't work out. Analytically, he should have went forward on fifth on on, on those five separate occasions. Analy- analytically, he was right to go for it. It just didn't work out. Now, do I think situationally, uh, Brandon Staley couldn't have could he have been better with when he went for it? Because football, as we know, is situational. It's very situational. So, could Brandon Staley have been better? Um, could he have better strategized on like when he's gonna go for it? And what I mean by when, I mean like, okay, you're aggressive and you're going for it on fourth down in the first half. But in the second half, as your defense starts to wear off a little bit and they don't have that same spunk and energy that they had in the first half, especially going up against a very speedy Kansas City team, a very speedy Kansas City offense, how do you think that's going to wear on your defense if you continue to go for it and you don't get it? I think situationally, Brandon Staley Staley could have better strategized when to go for it, but the mere fact that I hear people criticizing and bashing Brandon Staley because he didn't go, I mean, because he did go for it and he was trying to be aggressive and add the kill punch. No, I'm not going to kill Brandon Staley for that. I'm not going to kill him for that. Like I said, first year head coach, could he have been better situationally? Probably so. Football, like we, like I said, football is very situational. But the fact that we're bashing him when he has great offensive personnel, he has a great young quarterback, <laughs> and he's playing against Kansas City, and it's a part of the Chargers' identity to be risk-takers and go for it and be aggressive. Why are we bashing him? Why are we bashing him? Granted, did those misconversions cost them the game? Yeah, but that's just... That's just the way things go in football. That's just the way. That's just the way things go in football. Game, it's, a, it's a game. It's literally a game of inches. That's how it goes. And you know, Brandon Staley. I think, like I said, situationally, I think he'd get better as time goes on. But I think those players definitely buy into Brandon Staley. I don't think you got to question that. I think they definitely buy into Brandon Staley and what he's coaching, what he's preaching. And he's stuck with their identity. That matters a lot. Also, don't forget, um, my top 10 teams, I'm going to do my top 10 teams. I usually don't do it on Saturday episodes. But since I miss Wednesday episode, um, and, you know, it's starting to get good in the regular season. It's starting to get good, you know, playoff seating and so forth. I also want to talk about the Rams and the NFC. Uh, So there were some big-time games. But I'm definitely going to give you guys my top 10 teams Throughout the episode, I'm going to give you guys my top 10 teams list because I know a lot of people look forward to hearing that on a weekly basis. So I will do that on this episode as well. Um, But I'll be back after this quick break. What's up, y'all? You know, do you want some new sportswear? You want some new sports apparel? Want to rep your favorite team on any given day? Then what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Go to the47brand.com right now. Holiday sales. I'm sure they're going to have a Black Friday sale. Go check it out right now. Free shipping for orders. 
75 plus dollars so you guys go over there to the 47 brand they have your favorite teams from the mlb to the nhl to the nfl nba or ncaa it does not matter the 47 brand has it go over there get something rep your favorite team any given day go check out that sale before it runs out go check it out the 47 brand all right, before I move on to the Rams and talk about their victory over their division foe versus uh, the Cardinals on Monday Night Football, before I go to that, I want to touch bases on Urban Meyer because, uh, you know, in the middle of this week, he was fired. He was fired by Sean Kong and the Jacksonville Jaguars just after 13 games. Um, and once again, uh, you know, this is another example, another another case to the case study of college coach trying to make the jump to the NFL, uh, to the professional level. And it, you know, it, it just doesn't work out. Uh, the most notable and most recent ones, you know, obviously Chip Kelly, uh, you know, Nick Saban, Steve Spurrier, where, you know, legendary or really, you know, legendary or really good college coaches making that jump to the NFL level. Urban Meyer is now in that group. And <clears throat> typically they all have something in common. With the college coach making the jump to the NFL, they all usually have something in common. But I'm gonna tell you where Urban Meyer, uh, where he he screwed up, he messed up, and this is where I knew it was gonna go down here from here. And I, and I'm gonna I'm not, and before I even say this, I, I'm not gonna lie, I was very optimistic about Urban Meyer and Jacksonville because first he has Florida roots, secondly, um, he had the number one pick, so that meant they were gonna draft Trevor Lawrence, who you know, not having the best rookie season, but he's very talented. Uh, so we thought there was something there along with the Jacksonville Jaguars having draft capital and salary cap space. Um, and also just playing in a not a winnable division. Like nobody thought the Jaguars would win the division this year, but in a fairly one of the lesser divisions in football. So I, I was a little optimistic for Urban Meyer, but very early on, he lacked buy-in from this team, and his and his, it, it, you know, it was just him making his own decision, like him making bad decisions. It started with just bad decision making, bad decision making after bad decision after bad decision, and that's what eventually led to his firing. Um, I think he he, he just lacked buy-in. And with with the college coaches, usually these college coaches, especially uh, somebody of the magnitude of Urban Meyer, where he's won three national championships, two different national championships at two different schools, uh, or I should say a national championship at two different schools. Um, you know, Urban Meyer is an all-time great college football coach. So to that magnitude, while he was at a college program like Florida, Utah, uh, you know, Ohio State, he had a lot of power. He had so much power. He was literally almost kind of like the big dog on campus. And he can remove her and force things to get done with his will, with his big personality. But usually, typically, when college, co when college football coaches make this jump to the pro level, they still have this power dynamic and there's typically a power struggle that they just don't get equipped to. 
the you know the the, the college football coaches that don't succeed, like I said, Saban, Steve Spurrier, uh, Urban Meyer now, they usually come in with this power struggle and this power dynamic as if everything goes through them because that's what they're used to at the college football level where Saban, he's the man at Alabama. Urban Meyer, he's the man at Florida. He's the man at Ohio State. But when you go when you come to the NFL, you have a billion dollar, you have a billionaire owner, billionaire owner, you got fan bases, you got star quarterbacks, star players that you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta massage your way into the relationship. You just can't come in and just think you're just gonna run things. Like, even though granted he's the head coach, you just can't come in with this power dynamic as if you're as if you're leading a program. This isn't just this isn't a, a, a roster of kids that you recruited. It's a roster of grown men. Um, and I just think from the very jump, Urban Meyer lacked buy-in. Uh, we can start with him hiring the strength and conditioning coach from Iowa, where there was some bad he had, you know, the, the strength and conditioning coach had a lot of baggage. Um, and you know, Urban Meyer went on. Instead, you know, instead of noticing that, recognizing that, having better self-awareness, he overlooked that. He overlooked the fact that he had baggage, still hired him, but he was forced to resign. Um, and then you look at what he did during the preseason, right? You know, right before the regular season, he, you know, he gave Tim Tebow a shot. Some of that, some people were spilling that, you know, it's a friend helping out a friend, but that was a distraction. Bringing in Tim Tebow, not bringing in Tim Tebow to play tight end at his advanced age, and Tim Tebow has been out of the league for the NFL for years. That was a distraction. That was already you. You already had a lot of eyeballs on Jacksonville because of Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer. You know him being a first year head coach and him being a legendary college coach. There was already enough attention that the Jaguars were getting. That so that was just another distraction. And then we got the, you know, we got Urban Meyer at the bar after the Cincinnati loss. And then there's the leaked footage and video. And then there's just more stuff where he kicked the punter. Very juvenile, very juvenile acts of Urban Meyer doing his tender in Jacksonville. Now, I'm not saying Urban Meyer, if, you know, if it was my guess, I think Urban Meyer is probably going to just take a broadcasting job. And do that with, you know, he was prior after leaving Ohio State, he was he did some broadcasting for college football. I think he'd go back to that. He's a really good analyst. Um, I don't see him really coaching again. My and my opinion because of that is, is just based upon his health issues. Um, I think given his health situation, I think broadcasting makes the best the best, you know, the makes the you know, the best sense, the most sense, I should say. Uh, with him and you know he's because he's a pretty good he, he was pretty good at the at the broadcasting and being an analyst so I think he, I think he goes back to that rim but he lacked complete buy-in he lacked complete buy-in from the jump and that that just didn't it just the ship didn't sail too right and it, it's a dumpster fire it's a mess in Jacksonville granted they're 211 that's an improvement from last year where they didn't win any games uh, or they won one game, but like the mere fact that 
he these decisions after decision, bonehead decisions, juvenile decisions after after you know after one another, it just it seemed like it was doomed from the very from the very beginning. It seemed like he was doomed from the very beginning with just the first two moves that he made. Um, but I want to shift gears. Let's uh, I'm you know I'm all for that. Wanted to talk about that a little bit, but uh, let's shift gears to the Rams and the Cardinals game because I thought that was uh, I thought both of those I, I I picked up something from both of those teams um, that I want to talk about that I think is really important. So okay, Rams Cardinals. Uh, I let's get to this because <clears throat> I thought this was a very very pivotal game for the Rams, and I, I I favored them to win this game because I thought the Cardinals already went, they already went to L.A., and they beat the Rams, and they beat them pretty handily. Um, and the Rams throughout the year, even granted, they got a cup, they got a really big win versus Tampa in week three, I think. I think that was week three that where the Rams just totally dominated and outplayed Tampa. Uh, a lot of the Rams' wins this year's this year, have come up against, let's just say, mediocre to below mediocre teams. So I thought the Rams winning this game, going on the road, not having your best defensive back in football, not having the best defensive back in football in Jalen Ramsey, missing offensive linemen, missing a tight end, your starting tight end, missing running back, and you were still able to duplicate and put on one of the best play games that I've seen from a team all year long. And the Rams, this is what's so scary about the Rams. Because the Rams, I feel like, have this type of capability if you catch them on the right day. I because I've been very, I've been very critical of the Rams over the last month or so. Because they haven't played, quite frankly, they haven't played well. Uh Stafford hasn't played well, but when they are clicking on both sides, when that defense, because I feel like the key for the Rams is first offensively establishing a run game because if you establish a running game first, that's that's what that's what made the Rams' offense so potent the year they went to the Super Bowl. Their running game and then them being able to play off their running game, then leading into play action passing. Now, granted, I think Matthew Stafford is an upgrade, and I will talk about him. But having some type of run game, right? Getting Matt Stafford a little bit comfortable because when he's comfortable, when Stafford is comfortable and he's rolling and he has he has some type of rhythm, boy, the like I think versus Arizona, I kid you not, there were about four five throws. There were about four or five throws that Matthew Stafford made that I was like, wow, that's literally. That's the upgrade from from golf to Stafford, because some of the throws that Stafford was able to complete and make only about, I don't know, maybe about three, maybe four other dudes in the league could have completed those passes. And I'm talking like these were neat. These were needles. These were zips that he was throwing into tight windows. I mean, it was remarkable to watch. And when I see when I see Stafford make plays and make throws like that, or the throws that I'm that I'm talking about that I'm referring to, when I see those type of plays and throws, I automatically think about okay, this is why, this is why we thought 
why a lot of us thought, why a lot of our media pundits, a lot of our media friends, this is why we thought Stafford was an upgrade from golf because Stafford has the capability of making these, of making these just crazy and ridiculous throws in these tight windows. He did that about four or five times versus Arizona, and it was remarkable to watch. And only, I, and I'm, I swear, I swear, only about three, maybe four dudes in the league can replicate and make those type of throws like like Stafford did. So that's the first thing. The second thing is defensively, when the Rams' defense is all over the place, and when they when they have a when they're aggressive, I feel like when their defense is aggressive. They're being very optimistic, opt, opt, optimistic, and being able to turn over the football. When they're playing like that, when that defense is playing like that, which is key, they look like literally they look like the best team in football. When they have when they have those elements going, they look like the best team in football. At least one of the best teams in football. When when they have that type of stuff, because they're they're very explosive. Uh, offensively, we know what they can do. OBJ, I'm I'm gonna get the I'm gonna get the Odell because I'm very excited um, and I'm happy for Odell because I'm glad that he's finding some success in uh in LA and I, which I knew he would uh because I I still I still thought I thought that OBJ can still play that was never a doubt in my mind that OBJ I always I still believe that OBJ still can play I'm gonna talk about him but the Rams they play tremendous. Absolutely tremendous. The final score was thirty to twenty-three, but they it felt like they dominated that game. And the score doesn't really translate. It doesn't really show you how dominant, how truly dominant they were, because it felt like their dominance felt like they won by at least two, maybe three possessions. They were able to turn over Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray was a bit un- he wasn't he wasn't as efficient as he's as he's been throughout the season. Um. And they rattled him. They rattled him. So I now have questions about the Cardinals, but the Rams, they show me at their peak, they show me that they are as good as anybody at their peak, at their peak. Now, whether or not they continue to hit this peak, whether or not they continue to play at this level throughout the postseason, we will see. But Stafford being able to win a big time, another big time game, because that was the knock on Stafford prior to him becoming a Ram. And, you know, some people still question, can Matthew Stafford step up in big moments and can he win big games? Because that's quite frankly what he struggled to do. He hasn't won big games in his career. Granted, you know, Detroit is horrible. Uh, Detroit, the, the Lions are bad. They were bad before Matthew Stafford. They were bad with Matthew Stafford for, you know, for a portion. And they're going to continue to be bad without Matthew Stafford, after Matthew Stafford. So now it's up to Matthew Stafford to actually win some ball games, some big, critical, important games, um, because he has a he has a talented enough roster. He has a talented enough roster along with a mastermind coach offensively in Sean McVay. So, you know, that's that's no longer an excuse. Supporting cast is no longer an excuse for Matthew Stafford. It is. It just. It just not. It's just. It's just not an excuse anymore. But for the Rams to go on the road, like I said, without their starting tight end, without offensive lineman, without uh, you missing your the best. You you're missing the best corner in football and Jalen Ramsey. 
missing a running back. The fact that they were able to go on the road versus the Cardinals and beat Arizona in Arizona, pretty, pretty impressive win. That's a pretty impressive win. And in the fashion that they did it, I loved it. They were very dominant. Now, on to the Cardinals. The Cardinals, I have questions now. And I, I, first of all, you guys know I was, I'm was i not high on Cliff Kingsbury at all. Uh, granted, the Cardinals have had a very good year so far. They've won games. It, they, you know, they're going to make the playoffs, right? Uh, you, we got to see if they can close out and win a, the NFC West. I think that'll do them wonders if they can. But we'll see if they can do that. But the Cardinals, this is what I question. Because... They're very they're very explosive offensively, um, and Kyler got rattled. It seems like when Kyler get rattled, the offense just the 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 pace and the pace that the offense plays at when 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 Kyler is rolling is totally different when he's rattled. Because when he's rattled, he starts to get a little bit antsy. He leaves the pocket a little bit earlier than when he should, um, and then the turnovers pile up. That's where we see the inefficiency and then the turnovers. So when he gets rattled a little bit, and it doesn't help that he's a miniature quarterback, you know, at his miniature size, when he gets beat up and rattled, he doesn't want to get beat up and rattled. So he leaves the pocket. He has a tendency to leave the pocket earlier than what he needs to, but that's all because he's getting rattled. He's getting rattled. He's getting hit, and he's trying to. He's he's, he's not trying to get hit. He's trying to avoid the, the the you know. He's trying to avoid the hits. So when that happens, I feel like Arizona offensively as a whole, they just they dip. They take a they take a significant dip and drop when he's inefficient and when he's rattled. Um, now they got some injuries. Now DeAndre Hopkins, it seems like he's gonna be he's gonna miss the remainder of the regular season. Uh, so you know his 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 situation is questionable. So now, but but bigger than that. I now have questions about the Cardinals because this is the third game. They've only they only have three losses on the season. I think. I think they have three losses, right? Uh can we can we check that for sure? Can we make sure the Cardinals have three losses? Uh so yes, they do. They're 10 and 3, and their three losses are all at home. And it was to Green Bay, Carolina, and now the Rams. Two of those three teams, Green Bay and LA. Uh, both were empty, not empty handed, but short handed. They were missing some very valuable players. The Packers went on the road. They went to Arizona and beat Arizona missing while missing 11 starters. So now I have a question about the, the Cardinals and them folding against competition because the Rams are very much a contender. I think they're, they're, they're definitely going to be in the playoffs. Uh, and the Packers are very much a contender. They're they're the number one seed. Uh, as I think I think the number one seed in the NFC right now. Uh, Green Bay might be tied, but um, I mean Tampa Bay might be tied with them. But nevertheless, Green Bay, you get my point. Green Bay is going to be in the thick of things, and you know in January they're going to be the thick of things. So I have a question about this Cardinal team now because in big games they they have hiccups. They have hiccups. They and they wet the bed in big games. I'm not going to say they're fraudulent, but the Cardinals may be one of these teams this particular year where they are built really they're built and they're well constructed for the regular season and to win a lot of regular season games. But in the ter- in terms when things get a little nitty gritty 
And in January, as the weather gets colder, I don't know. I don't know if I can trust them. And I know a lot of these warm weather teams like, you know, L.A., uh, the, the Cowboys. I, I know in, in Arizona, the worst thing, the worst nightmare for them is to have to go up to Lambeau and play a playoff game. I think the Rams, if the Rams wanted to beat, if they, if, I think their best chance at beating the Packers is probably not playing them at Lambeau. Now, I don't know how. I don't think I don't think the Rams will be able to get home field advantage throughout the entirety of the playoffs because they the Packers they they lost to the Packers so they they don't have that tiebreaker the Packers do but that's probably Arizona Dallas like that's probably their worst nightmare is that you know the playoffs go through Lambeau right obviously the Buccaneers last year they 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 proven that they can go to Lambeau and win a football game win a playoff game um. But, you know, for these warm weather teams, usually, you know, going up to Lambeau, that's not like the most desirable thing to do in January. <laughs> um, it's just not. It's just not the it's just not the most, you know, the, the most desirable thing to do in, in January. But the Cardinals, I, I, you know, very hesitant. I was I was a little hesitant already because of Cliff Kingsbury. I didn't know. How I couldn't really evaluate how good of a coach he was and so forth. Um, and I'm not saying this these losses diminish it, but now it, it, it even rate it gave me like it gives me more cause for pause with Arizona. Um, you know, and Kyler, like I said, Kyler's still remarkable. Kyler's still really good. Uh, like I said, no D hop, but the Cardinals, they seem it it almost seems like they're that team that's gonna win about eleven. They're gonna they're gonna probably win about 12, 12 games this year, right? Finish about twelve and five. But are they a team where they're playing the regulars? Is that is that gonna be tra- is that gonna translate versus the stiffer competition? I have my questions about that. I'm gonna give you guys my top ten teams. I know you guys have been waiting for it all episode, so I'm gonna give you guys my top ten teams. Uh, that should be pretty fun. That should be pretty fun. Can't wait. Alrighty, here's the top ten teams. Top ten teams. Now, I, I, you know, with the with the result of Thursday night's game, <clears throat> it kind of makes my top ten list <clears throat> a bit skewed, um, because I'm doing it in the middle of the week, like week fifteen has already started, but we're going we're gonna make the best out of it. This is my top ten list. Um, going into week the rest of week 15. <laughs> Let's just put it like that. Going into the rest of week 15, this is my top 10 list since I not since I did not drop a Wednesday episode. So let's get into it at number 10. At number 10, I have the San Francisco 49ers. I like this team a lot. Um, I've put them on the list a couple times this year. They have an identity. You know, a lot of these teams, a lot of teams in the league lack an identity. Uh, I think the 49ers, I predicted, I predicted them to be a wild card team. They started off. Uh, they started. I think they started off two and zero, three and zero, and then they had a midseason stretch where they had some injuries and so forth, quarterback dilemma. But they have figured it out. Uh, they've won four out of the last five games. Uh, they're five and zero where they don't have giveaways. So when Garoppolo, basically when Jerry Garoppolo is taking care of the football, being accurate, um, you know, being you know being clutch on third down and so forth, uh, they're 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 a really good football team with an identity. Uh, so I like the 49ers at 10, um, but I have the Tennessee Titans at nine. Um, I think this team is 
some very similar to San Francisco. They have an identity. They know what they want to play like. Uh, they're they're well coached. Uh, Variable does a really good job with with letting them be physical and coaching them up. But once again, you know, no Derrick Henry. Uh, they get Henry. They, they it seems like they're gonna get Derrick Henry sooner than later. Um, and it's kind of showing three games over the last three games, they've scored few, they scored fewer than 20 points. So, you know, they rely a lot of their offensive production. <clears throat> it starts and it ends with Derrick Henry. Uh, and they're missing that element right now, but I still think they're good enough where they, they, you know, they're good enough to be a top 10 team. So I got them at nine at number eight. I got the LA chargers. Now, despite the Thursday night loss, right. Versus the, the chiefs. I still think this will be a, a wild card team. I still think they'll be they're gonna be a wild card team. They're gonna make the po they're gonna make the postseason, but they're just so damn explosive offensively, so exciting to watch. It starts with Herbert, um, and then you look at these playmakers that he have. But then, but you know, they will they before this um this loss to Kansas City, which you know, Kansas City's hot right now. So, you know, not a lot of teams right at this moment can can beat Kansas City, but the Chargers were rolling. After Thanksgiving break, they were rolling. You know, their defense is starting to get better with under Brandon State. Like, they are rolling. Um, like I said, and and let's be honest, if we're contextualizing this game uh, on Thursday night, the the Chargers had plenty of opportunities to win. They they had they had opportunities and chances to win that football game. I can make an argument that they should have probably won that football game, but the Chargers are a good team. Um, I still think they missed some important elements from getting to that next level, that next tier. But it's a really good football team. I got them at number eight. At number seven, I'm out, I'm about to put the Dallas Cowboys. You know, the Cowboys, they have the number two scoring offense, but I sometimes think they lack um some details um due to the you know the lack of coaching that they get from Mike McCarthy. I do think they tend to slip up on the details offensively a bit. Um, and that's where they get a little bit sloppy. They haven't been as they haven't been as good on third down, um, like they were like the first six or seven games. They weren't they, they haven't been as good on third down. Um, you know, the Cowboys think if they can stay healthy, they're gonna be fine. I feel like I think they, they can compete with just about anybody if they're healthy at their full strength. Um, defensively, they continue to impress eight takeaways in the last two games. Michael Parsons really making a serious, serious bid. For defensive player of the year, I see why he cannot. Uh, I see why. I see why. I don't see why he can't win the award. Uh, so Cowboys at seven, at number six, I'm about to put the Arizona Cardinals once again. Uh, when you physical the game, when you slow down the game, when you take away, when you subtract some of the possessions, and when you're able to keep them in a close and physical game, I think that's where the Cardinals unravel a bit. I think they tend to unravel a bit in physical and close games. And once again, you know, it starts with the leader at with 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 Cliff Kingsbury. Cliff Kingsbury, get he's he got our coach. He simply got our coach. And I think when you put when you're in games like that where it's tough, it's close, it's physical, you want you're going up against really smart head coaches. Um, you know, I think I think that's where Cliff Kingsbury and uh, the lack of experience it shows. It shows. So I got the Cardinals at six. Um, I think they're still pretty good, but I got them at six, and I have the L.A. Rams at number five. Uh, I think the Rams at their best, it, they're better. Uh, I think they're they're a much more physical football team. Um, than than the Cardinals. Uh, and and like like I said, 
at their best, the Rams look as good as anybody. Uh, and the fact that they were able to go on the road and win that game versus the Cardinals, you know, missing the dudes they were missing, really impressive victory over the Rams. I mean, over the Cardinals. And it seems like Stafford is starting to find his footing in this system. If you didn't remember, last year around this time, Tom Brady with the Buccaneers was starting to find his footing. I'm not trying to make any type of correlation, but that's there for you to, you know, do what you want. Um, at number four, I had Tampa, I had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes, I was very tempted to move them up a little bit closer. Uh, I want to give them another week. I want to see what they can do. But the Buccaneers are peaking. They're peaking at the right time. They're peaking at the right time. I like them at four. I'm going to keep them there for right now. At number three, I have New England Patriots. The Patriots, very impressive. Um, they they were on a bye this week. They got a pretty tough game versus the Colts coming up. Um, but they're they're currently on a seven game win streak. Uh, you know they're very they're built very similar to the 2001 team, where young quarterback, game manager, but can run the football. Great defense, great coach. That's the formula that they're using to win seven game four, seven game win streak that they're on, but you know, they don't have the the explosiveness like the Kansas City Chiefs, who I have at number two. I have the Chiefs at number two, and I feel like the Chiefs are back. Uh, you look at what they're being able to do, you know, over the last couple of weeks, what they've been able to do offensively, over the top. Mahomes looks dynamic. Like I said, his mechanics is his mechanics, and they change a lot. But I still think Kansas City is potent. And then at number and, and also their defense, their defense over the last six games, over the last six out of the last seven games, they've been they've been able to hold offenses to 17 points or less, excluding the Chargers on Thursday night. And then at number one, I have continued to put them at number one over the last month or so. The Packers, the Green Bay Packers at number one. I think they're the best team in football as of right now. Um, yeah, I think they're the best team in football. They continue to win. They continue to win games. Aaron Rodgers is hot, uh, and they win. They win games without like crucial starters. <laughs> they win games without their best DB. They win games without their best uh, left tackle. They win games without their running back. Like they just, they just continue to win games without their best pass rusher. They continue to win games. I got them at number one. I think as of right now, the Packers are the best team in football right now. Uh, if I had to take one, uh, but without further ado, I let you guys go. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this Saturday episode. I will be back on Tuesday. We're back to our regular schedule. I'm excited. Enjoy some football. Uh, and, yeah, i see you guys. Peace. Deuces. I'm out. Always remember two choices, one decision.